Waves podcast. I'm your host, Jess Mellington, and I'm joined today with Ben Hucker. Hey, Jess. How are you going? Good, thank you. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. What did you get up to over the break? Uh, went camping down in Port Ferry, which was quite nice. Yeah, we got really, really wet, didn't we? So, expecting some nice sunshine and, you know, sunny days and sunny walks on the beach, but it was the exact opposite. Yeah, thunderstorms rolled through, so pretty crazy. Um, and we're joined today with our guest, Natural Harry. You might have heard of her or seen her books around. Um, welcome to the show, Harry. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you here. Um, we're join- You're joining us on Zoom, so this is our first uh, podcast over Zoom. So thanks for taking the time out of your schedule. Uh, you're pregnant, which is very exciting. So congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, super exciting. We're looking at where... Um, I was just saying before we're nannying or looking after my nephew today. So schedule is very nice and flexible today. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's great to have you on, Harry. We really appreciate your time today. So thanks for coming on. I hope that was public knowledge that you're pregnant. Yes. Yes, yes. Don't worry. Very safe. (laughs) Yeah. Another exclusive (laughs) for the Surf Coast Creatives podcast. (laughs) So we're going to take um, take you through our breaking the ice segment, if you don't mind. So we've got seven questions to fire off and feel free to elaborate or keep them as short as you like. Um, they're just to let the audience get to know you a bit better. So first one, where were you born? I was born in Carlton in Melbourne, actually. My parents were living an hour and a half away, but... Um, that was the actual location. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. So you're a city girl. I'm not. I'm a country girl. We were living um, in between Inverley and Winchelsea in the sort of on the way to Hamilton. Yep. Um, so I grew up on my grandparents' farm, actually. in a co- We grew up in a cottage next door to them, which was an epic childhood. Oh, wow. That does sound cool. That Well, that answers question number two, where did you grow up? So born in the city and then raised in the country. Yes, I think it was just a dash to the city and back to the country. And yeah, it was awesome. We had lots of space and animals and veggie patch and all that jazz. Yeah, good foundation. I guess that alludes to your passion for sustainable living and a plant-based diet and natural products and medicines and other things. So I can't wait to get into that a little bit later on in the podcast, but that's given us a clue, I think. Uh, number three, are you a full-time or part-time creative? I'm a full-time creative. It's like, um, I love that question um, because it's like breathing for me, I'd say. I find if I go too long without creating something, I yep. feel a little bit suffocated or stifled or something. Yeah. Wow. And I'll come back to that a bit later, but number four, we're going to move uh are you a camper or a glamper like camper definitely camper. I grew up um camping were all our holidays when I was a kid it was always um quite um back to basics somewhere in the bush probably sometimes even without a log drop or anything <laughs> quite remote <laughs> camping yeah um so yeah definitely just the old tent and canvas tent and fire and billy kind of situation Oh, wow. That sounds hardcore. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I've got probably a little bit softer, I think, in my, (laughs) um, I can't say old age, I guess, at 34, but I've got a bit softer. We we sort of use the rooftop tent most of the time now. Um, And, yeah, I don't mind, I don't mind being, yeah, near a couple of amenities sometimes. (laughs) <laughs> if you're there for a long time yeah still yeah. like the bush kind of camping yeah yeah definitely uh do you have a favorite tv series question Ooh. number five do you uh, have a favorite tv series probably not lots i i grew up on a diet of like Blackadder and black books and monty python and things like that ah. so i don't know if it's like a nostalgic thing um I guess British comedy any British comedy is my is my thing and I kind of gravitate towards lighter things and um funnier stuff I think because I tend to spend so much time probably like you guys doing a lot of 
um, reading and listening to podcasts and things yeah, like yeah. that. And I love absorbing that information, but also love the kind of counterbalance and switching off by watching something a bit silly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's a, a valid yeah. response. We like, we're big fans of any British comedy. So I think Blackadder, that was Rowan Atkinson, wasn't it? Yes, yes, yep. Way back in the day and yeah. Monty Python needs no explanation, I think, for most of our listeners. So maybe for some of yeah, our younger definitely. listeners, do yourself a favour and tune into Monty Python. I know it is a little bit older now, isn't it? It's sort of yeah. like a, I guess it was a parents' generation that really watched it and we did yeah. by default. Yeah. It was John Cleese, wasn't it? So yes. John Cleese and the rest. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, so number six, were you busy during COVID or did you have a bit of time out? I was really busy actually uh, because we, um, oh, I was sort of creating the book, which was rele- my third book, I should say, um, yeah. Home by Natural Harry that was released in October. The lead up to that was pretty busy. Uh, my husband was working away. He was living um, in a, in a um, town in the Otways. Um, and working on a build there so it was sort of a yeah I'd say it was busy I I sort of started off with all of those like I lined up like 20 different things to learn yeah I was like God borrowed my sister's guitar I like started I crocheted like 20 babies or something and I was like (laughs) everyone was talking about all this time yeah (laughs) and all these things to do and I quickly realized that I, I I was sort of pushing work aside to do these things thinking, <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I didn't have, I guess, I was very lucky in that sense that I had, I have a job that was able to continue and it was probably a good time to be creating some content for people who were um, yeah. in a different position, like stuck at home and yeah. 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 Definitely. Um, is creativity nature or nurture, do you think? Question number seven, our final question. Do you think you're something you uh, I would say or... both. Both, yeah. Oh, I'd say both. I love that argument with um, nature, nurture. I yeah. would say that it's got to be in your nature, but I also I feel like it's something that everyone everyone's creative. I'm, I'm a believer that there's no such thing as someone who's just – I think people um, – pigeonhole it too much and say oh I can't draw so therefore I'm not creative I can't sing I can't play a musical instrument um but I think as everyone is intrinsically creative in their own way but I it was definitely cultivated for me my mum used to go to the kinder and get all the discarded like you know rolls of things and like paints and um string and just random stuff and we were really encouraged to be creative and I think I like I started sewing at like five and oh, yeah. <laughs> five like that. so my mum my yeah I was like sewing a tea towel together and I made my own teddies and stuff <laughs> <laughs> that's very cool <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> so it sounds like a little bit of nurture definitely in addition to having that natural flair for creativity yeah, and lots of time in nature, to use that word again. Um, yeah. I, we spent a lot of time outdoors being imaginative with not much, like just outside, so just making up games and things. So I think that probably contributed a little bit too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah well, that, thanks for doing our little icebreaker segment there, Harry. That's um, give us a few clues to other questions. So. Let's go back. You, you mentioned that you're born in Carlton, so born in the hospital there, and then moved swiftly out to uh, just past Hamilton, Inverley, wasn't it? Inverley. So, do you want to take yeah, us back to your childhood before. there and your flair for creativity and where all that began? Uh, so, yeah, we grew up on my grandparents' farm, um, just next door to them in the house that my mum grew up in. And um, that was a, a really kind of quaint little cottage that no longer exists. I think it was a, a renovator's dream that <laughs> <laughs> um, no one did. Um, but it was a really, really enjoyable childhood. I was sort of, I guess, um, we bounced between, well, mum and dad 
were there the whole time, but we got to spend a lot of time with our grandparents. And I really thought I was going to be a farmer because I watched my grandfather farming and tried to help as yeah. a kid. Not probably, I was probably more of a hindrance, but um, <laughs> that was a really fun time. And we went to school in Inverlee and it was a really lovely um, community kind of setting, I guess. And um, my yeah cousins and things visited a lot. So I have like a really close close immediate family and close extended family. Um, yeah, I just can't really fault it. I think I was super, super lucky to grow up with space and um, with a little bit of an understanding for nature and um, like, yeah, camping holidays and all that kind of thing. That was, yeah. I think that it all shapes you. Um, and I think I was very lucky because you don't necessarily have a choice in where you kind of yeah. land. Yeah. Yeah, that is yeah. true. Yeah. So did you start traveling to the coast as a kid and start to grow an affinity with the coast? Because Inverley, how many hours from the coast? Yeah. It's not far actually, but we didn't go directly to the coast that way a lot. So it's actually only I think Winchelsea is maybe 20 minutes from maybe half an hour from lawn. I could be wrong. It's not very far inland. But we would go to, we spent a lot of time in Barwon Heads. So my grandparents had a, like a beach shack there. So we'd all pile in like four families of um, cousins every summer for the whole of the summer holidays. Yeah. Um, a really good old school, like they have a smell like beach house with like a yeah. sandy kind of <laughs> <laughs> salty beach holiday. Uh, just uh, Barwon like Heads felt quite different back then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so we spent just yeah full days on the beach and things. I, it's it's my memory that we went to the beach for full days and that the whole summer was that. But I'm sure with Victorian weather we did not go every day. <laughs> but like as you guys know, with the summer that we're having yeah um, in Victoria right now, um, there were probably I think there was a lot of days of probably reading and just <laughs> I don't know going to the park and things too. But yeah, spent a lot of time. In the sea, a lot of time body surfing. Yep. Boogie boarding. Boogie boarding. The old boogie board. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I spent a lot of time at Barwon Heads myself as a kid as well. We had I had grandparents in Ocean Grove, so you would have seen Barwon Heads before the explosion of growth and population and everything else and development. Definitely, definitely. It did feel really different. I can remember just it would feel quite before um, sea change, I should say. Quite, yeah, before sea change. And then we watched sea change religiously and loved it. But I yep. think it did have a big effect on the population and the, like, yeah, just it feels quite different now. It's still a beautiful place it was at the beach. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that's where you call yeah. home now. Did you, what happens, you know, where did you go to high school and things like that? Did you go to university and study after school? I went to high school in Geelong yeah I went to um, university well I, I probably can't say university I did a gap year in England I came back yeah. to do an advanced diploma in fashion design so I think technically you'd probably call that TAFE so it was like contact hours all day for five days a week um, and not really then sort of like school terms if that makes sense that was three yeah. years when I got back from England where I was a um, an assistant teacher kind of thing they call it a student but it was like a dog's body and I um like I was a lifeguard and I taught art and I was trusted with science at one point and um <laughs> oh, yeah lots of <laughs> uh, so you basically another, get to the school and they another Aussie. they say can yeah, you do, were just like, can you know, do these things missing. yeah yeah <laughs> definitely we had to do like qualifications first I like had to become a lifeguard before that um and yep. did swimming lessons and um yeah that was in a quaint little place in the Cotswolds which is like um postman pack kind of country the yeah it's very cool in the Cotswolds. For a year. yeah have you been there yeah it's where they have the uh, the sure. straw thatched roofs don't they yes yes and that yep. cheese roll that crazy cheese rolling um competition <laughs> and all that that's kind right. of thing <laughs> oh really so that's right the yeah. hay throw the bales of hay over the over the bar and that might be Scotland I'm getting mixed up but it's very very quaint <laughs> oh that might be yeah they 
yeah, they have this really dangerous, um, like once a year, just crazy people chase a wheel of cheese down a hill that <laughs> is literally true. on like an over 45 degree angle <laughs> and just smash themselves. But yeah, there's, there's that and there, and it's a cute little area. That was a year. And then came back and did my advanced diploma of fashion design and then started working um, in Melbourne. Did that for probably five years. I worked right. while I was in uni as well. Um, yeah. I used to make dresses from um, fabric I got at Sader's and had them at a shop on Brunswick Street. And then um, then I yeah came home after a, a year of travel because I was getting a little bit... Um, I think I was just being pulled back to the coast yeah. and um, tried to start a men's shorts label that I called smuggling budgies that I made them. Oh. I made them all myself from discarded fabric. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, uh, that was, that was a short time, but it was fun. Yeah. <laughs> I love that name. Uh, that, that was smuggling budgies. <laughs> yeah. I was walking right at the end of my traveling stint. I ran out of money. And I was walking on the um, Camino de Santiago, which is the top part of Spain. It's like a month-long walk. And I was walking with these two guys that I met that were um, Italian. One was Italian and one was Portuguese. And they were asking for, like, some Aussie slang. And I taught them budgie smugglers. And they, they got it <laughs> twisted. And I was like, that's funny. That's a good yeah, smuggling <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's so, interesting yeah, that's... that you had had a stint in fashion design so uh beyond you know doing your little projects like smuggling budgies did you work for any big fashion houses or anything like that i worked for a long time most of the time i worked for a fiona scanlon who used to have scanlon and theodore but she had a children's wear label called big at the time which was in they had a shop in chadston shop in hawksburn village and a head office that i worked at the head office and in the shop and um, with like some technical sketches and things like that. Um, and I also did an internship for Alpha 60, a Melbourne label, which was awesome. That was a really good learning experience. Yeah. So I kind of, I've, I always loved, I've always loved fashion and um, clothing and things, which I guess was explained the shop I had for a couple of years in Geelong, but um I also, I was sort of torn between that and the food things and yeah. wellness and stuff like that. Yeah. Say, how did you make the transition? Because I think I've read your about page just before and I don't think there was any reference to fashion. So that's, uh, that's completely new information, I think. Yeah. Well, it's not really super related to food. So I kind of yep. don't, I, I think I, I sometimes skip that part of it. But um it's definitely a big part of the story. I think everything was something my mum once said to me, I think after I'd finished, I'd stopped working in the industry and I was a bit like, oh my God, I've just wasted six years of a lot of hard work. She said, you know, no time's ever wasted. And she's kind of, you can only, I think, realise that later. Like it's actually yeah. the skills I learn at uni and in the industry have actually helped me so much weirdly in publishing books and, um, yeah having an understand of like understanding of how things go together perhaps even in marketing and things like that so it's it's funny how it's all helps somehow in yeah. a way yeah 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 it's it's related knowledge yeah. and as you say nothing's ever a waste and it's basically a complementary skill set like a, if you can yeah. make it as a, as a fashion designer I dare say you can make it as an author yeah, oh, definitely. God, if you can make it as a fashion designer, then you're a superhuman. <laughs> yeah. I actually into uh, your self-publishing and your books. So you initially self-published, didn't you? So you should mention, first of all, yeah, Natural Harry, the book, Natural Harry Hole. Uh, so you got 200-plus plant-based recipes. How did you go about making that transition into that into the wellness category? So I was always interested. I actually wanted to study naturopathy or nutrition out of school, um, but I kind of just went, I guess, just did a bit of an eeny, meeny, miny, moe thing, to be honest. 
um, and ended up going with fashion design. So it's always been there. I was always really interested. So it was something that I was really keen to pursue when I came home. I didn't perceive um, Geelong kind of area, probably very wrongly now, um, that there would be any kind of um, opportunities in fashion there, which there totally is. But I think because I was coming from Melbourne and I was like, oh, I've got to leave fashion if I'm leaving Melbourne. So I started studying nutrition um, and then just very, very true to form. I got impatient and just started um, making things instead because I think I'm just way too tactile and not as good at um, probably, yeah, study. And so I ended up transitioning into a, a short course that goes for a year um called integrated nutrition and that's just an online thing and your qualification is you become a wellness coach which I didn't really intend on doing but I was just interested in the in the broad overview so I could get more of an understanding for it um without actually becoming a nutritionist just for my own interest um so I started I was nannying at the time um and I was just making heaps and heaps of experimental like recipes and food for family and friends and um that kind of led uh, just in conversation with my husband who was a carpenter he got a bit excited about the prospect of me selling that food and that was kind of how our caravan idea came about because he was keen on building a vintage caravan from scratch so we did that together um and then opened that in barwon heads in 2013 yeah yeah to say that was that was the that's the the transition <laughs> yeah yeah that's uh that's very cool actually like it doesn't sound like it was the vision you have for natural harry back then 2013 is that you know what you had in mind uh in comparison to what it is today or is it kind of you just sort of yeah. feeling the way no yeah no, feeling no. my way the whole way it's like a i i, I think for all the I can um, visualize stuff, but I'm not very good at uh, in foresight. Like I, I've never, I wasn't really sort of planning um, to make Natural Harry into three recipe books and what it's become. I was definitely just thinking of the immediate future and just making the smoothies the best they could be and the caravan at the time. And then I never considered writing a book. It wasn't until the third year of having that caravan and just being inundated with request for the recipes until I actually w- thought oh maybe I should write a book so it's it's always it's been a bit of a join the dots type scenario yeah I'd say yeah. yeah it's a cool journey and just on the caravan can you tell us how that came about so I was all wooden caravan uh, caravan I should say <laughs> with a V uh, so your partner is a carpenter and you put that together yeah. and I do believe you had it sort of beachside in Barwon Heads. How did that work? Because I know they're pretty strict with licensing conditions and all that in Barwon. Definitely, yeah. Well, I was, I was letting the yeah, no, yeah. You can't, you can't just plonk things. I found out <laughs> when I, when we were building it, you can't just plonk a um, something with wheels somewhere and start selling things. <laughs> so there was lots of calls to council, lots of. Um, applications and things there were there were really and I think there still is not many spots that you are allowed to do that so we started contacting um people that had vacant blocks of land so we ended up on it's a yeah actually a privately owned um place so we um got all the relevant permits for that and because we're building the caravan from scratch like Fred's actually welded the chassis none of it was old except for like you know pieces of it like the um the lights and the windows and stuff everything else was we made from some reclaimed and some new materials ourselves it meant that we could actually construct it as a commercial kitchen so it was to Uh all the standards to be able to have food in it otherwise I think the other going the other way around it could be really hard if you've got an old one um but I know people do it and um but his phrase has the skills that was great and we um then yeah just sorted out with the people who own the land they were very kind actually become good friends with them um and we were able to rent it from rent the actual space from them and then it meant we didn't have to we weren't restricted to like 
hour we could make our own hours and it was we could we put some nice turf down and we could actually kind of landscape it a bit and um create that nice atmosphere that people used to love falling asleep in <laughs> yeah that's all right sounds, <laughs> sounds awesome and it, it kind of comes across pretty casual on your website like the journey began in 2013 as a little wooden beachside caravan if you think oh yeah um how hard could that be? But obviously there's a lot of technicalities and specifics you have to deal with with council. So you guys sound really creative. Yes, and I get... <laughs> I wish we could do uh, that. Yeah, we make a good team. <laughs> we make a good team. We have a lot of fun together, but we are... The, it doesn't come with it. It's like every pair of people. Um, it doesn't come with its... It does come with its flaws. Like we're, we're both perfectionists when it comes to an experience. Yep. So we were um, quite adamant, like everything had to be just so perfect that like down to like every single smoothie that we handed over, obviously, because you're selling them. But um, it did mean that we worked so stupidly hard and we became a little bit like I felt like I was a bit hypocritical because I was like, you know, here, wellness, have this beautiful space and this amazing smoothie and it's 100% organic down to everything that's in it and everything. But we were just burning ourselves and because of that, we didn't have any staff for the first year and then very little staff for the rest of the time and we just worked seven days a week for that yeah, right. like six month period um and so yeah it does come across as it, it's idyllic and it looked idyllic from us yeah. looking out and everyone enjoying it and I have such fond memories of it um but it definitely was a hard slog as well so, yeah, it's same as any other cafe, basically, that's not on wheels. Yeah, yep, hospitality is a, um, it's a passion project. Yeah. <laughs> For sure, yeah. Are you guys yep. open to making a mobile podcast studio? Oh, yeah, <laughs> sure, absolutely. Love the project. <laughs> what shape would you like? <laughs> There's a new stream of revenue, <laughs> new stream of consulting. Yeah. A shipping container could be cool. Actually, yeah, a shipping it's container been, we yeah. have thought about and a few other things. But we've got a new studio coming at Workers' Hut 2.0 in Torquay, so we can't wait to get in there once it's all finished. Awesome. Yeah, there's so there's so many great um, co-working spaces and things around now, aren't there? Yeah. yeah there's yeah. a couple of big ones popping yeah. up in Torquay. 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 Having trouble with the English language today, just the basics. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, of... That's me all the time. <laughs> so, yeah, we got one coming in Torquay and, uh, yeah, it's kind of a niche focused on creative, so I guess it's going to be a little bit different to the bigger ones, which more focused on uh, your regular service-based businesses and professional services businesses. So it's going to be good. Yeah, that's cool. And collaboration such a big thing. So, yeah, awesome. Yeah. yeah, events are on the horizon as well. So you started making lots of cookies and smoothies and everything else and it got really popular. So that became your full-time income. So the demand for the book came from that. Basically, people saying, why don't you put this into a recipe-based book and that's where it came from? Or was there more to it? Yeah, I think it was a throwaway comment from Fraser's aunt, actually. Like, I think uh, no, like people were just asking, you know, can you just email me all the recipes for the smoothies? Because I came there, like I came from Melbourne for the day because I wanted them and then I just want to be able to make them myself. Or can you send me the recipe for my favourite raw dessert or something? And so I was sort of like firing off these, you know, jotted down things that I was using that I because I'd created the recipes myself. Um, and really honed them over the three years and just realised I'm just one of those people that likes to deliver things in a nice package and yeah. I was just didn't feel right to be set after all that hard work and everything just to be flicking them off as emails and texts and things. Um, yeah. So I was really, I thought what a good opportunity to make something beautiful, like a physical beautiful thing that also you're more likely to use because it's there in front of yeah. you. You're not like, oh, you forget you've got an email from someone that has the recipe in it. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And then I just was at uni. We kind of learned a bit of um, Adobe stuff. So oh. I was kind of keen to just do the, la I was really excited about the prospect of, originally I was excited about photography 
and yeah. the layout and doing that design myself. But I then I, I thought something's got to give. The photography has to be next level. If it's going to be printed, it can't just be my own photography. I'm not a professional photographer. Um, so then I found Nicole Ramsey, who's a local and um, yeah, she's shout an incredible professionally. Amazing stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she's just an incredible, like professionally trained, has been doing it for years and years. And um, yeah, photographer that you know if you're gonna I just feel like if you're gonna print something it's so permanent I just wanted it to be really good so I was happy to do the layout and the editing and the production but I wanted that super high spec for the images because you want to you want to want to eat it so yeah yeah yeah. actually that's true we've we've got a copy of one of your one of your books with us Uh, it's called Hold by Natural Harry so I think that was your first book wasn't it second Second book second number two Yeah. So yeah, it's a beautiful book. Like it's got a hard, hard cover and beautifully bound, and the pictures are amazing. And then you've got your story sort of intertwined with that as well. So initially, with the design, you you put that into InDesign and then use the photography from Nicole. I don't. Yeah, I did actually. I used InDesign. I had a really quick kind of like half an hour tutorial from a mate who who's a she was an architect student at the time. Um, and she, I hadn't used InDesign before. It's actually very intuitive. Um, and yeah, I kind of just did a lot of Googling, a lot of, um, you know, different learnings from different people, um, to actually get the skill to collate the skills, I guess, to use it, to produce the whole book. Um, and then, yeah, after, once I had got the hang of it, I, I was like, this is so easy. But um, it's, yeah, it's more like it's all specifications, like a lot of things. It's the same in fashion design, it's all specs. Yeah. Like making long, sure things measure right. How long did it take to put together the whole book, the first one? So the first one, I reckon it took six months for the actual putting together of it. Like obviously it was the three to five years before that of the recipe creation um, but the actual like photography and the um, the layout and and then the actual it's in print for three months anywhere you send a book it's usually like for any quantity it usually takes a while so yeah, yeah about six six months for that yeah. yeah yeah we have um we asked a question on our Instagram to some of the um, followers and one of the questions that came up was how do you start like writing a book, do you have any like hints or tips for these people that might want to join you? Yeah. <laughs> should oh, mention well, too, that was, I... uh, was say yeah. underscore hey Nelly. So shout out to say hey Nelly. We want, <laughs> we want to encourage people to ask questions on Instagram and in return we'll give them a shout out. So if that's your shout out, say hey yeah, Nelly. Yeah, cool. But, yeah, hi. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, that's a hard one because I – only know the way that I started like I I think it's pretty unique that I had been creating recipes to sell in a caravan so if you I'm assuming if you want to write a book that you've already got the the actual content idea at least so like I don't know maybe writing a novel story you've already got that idea in your head I say to everyone who asks how to start with anything that you just have to do the first anything. So like I like call a printer, um, you know, like collate your content and find an editor or just any of those first little steps is going to start you start the ball rolling. And there's not what I found my experience was there's it's, it's a bit of a chicken and the egg scenario. So like there's not one first step to writing a book. Yep. Although actually probably having having some idea of what you're going to do, what you're going to create would be the first step. But then after that, you could choose any of the above. Like, yep. um, yeah. And then I, I think look in another book so you can see like the one thing that really helped me was I went through the books that I had and looked at the imprint page, which is that random page at the back of books that says like all those little numbers and copyright and date published and stuff. Because yeah. they all need that, 
And it's not that it looks daunting, but like go and have a look at it and you'll, you know, it says ISBN, which is like that the number that all books have that libraries use that you have to have in a book. Google what's an ISBN and then apply for one. And, you know, it's just, it's all like right. a bit of a, like yeah. a Hansel, what's the word? Like a, I think it's, it's international a, standard um, book number, is it? Yes. Just basically, it says that your book has a license. And it can't be so if you get into copyright infringements and stuff they can yes so you've got to have yeah yeah so it's a bit of a treasure hunt in that way yeah yeah so Let basically just do it and you eventually found a publisher so you now have a publisher what's the name of that publisher hardy grant hardy so grant. they um yeah they're in melbourne They've got an office in the UK um, and they also have one in the US, but they actually started their family owned business. It started in Melbourne. Yep. Um, and I think the like late seventies, early eighties, still the same family. Yeah. Do they focus on the wellness really category? Like how did that come about? Uh, no, they, they're really broad. They have a lot of um, books under their umbrella and a lot of different genres and things um, that came about because I had been approached by a really big publisher and they um, wanted to sort of, they wanted the book, they wanted whole and to republish it, but they wanted to make it a, you know, floppy cover um, and they wanted to change the front because they thought it didn't show that it's food and they wanted it to be like wellness writing. And uh, oh, basically no. it was going to look more like all the other books around yep. um, and, you know, may have made, um, meant lots of copies sold, I'm not sure. Um, but it didn't sit right with me and my gut because from a creative perspective, I was yeah. just like, I just can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so then I hadn't thought to find a publisher um, and then that just made me think, hey, maybe I should. And yeah. then I um, they love the quality of Hardy Grant books. They're really high quality. They, they do prefer things to be a bit more, um, I don't know, not left of centre, but they were happy to have that higher quality hardcover and they yeah. liked that didn't have food on the cover and they were just like, we want to take exactly what you've done and just we'll publish it too. Like, so they didn't change anything. Oh, right. So I was so, I was very, I guess, um, yeah, I was chuffed with that and flattered that yeah. they wanted to not change what I'd created with Nicole with the images. Yeah. Um, and they just globalised the files because it's now in America and UK and Europe. So they did, you know, how they use pounds and, Oh, yeah. yeah inches and all that stuff <laughs> they changed it to, to have both yeah um and then um they've been really happy with it and it's all been wonderful oh yeah, yeah. you didn't have to change the recipes did you so like we use milliliters and things and they use gallons and quarts and stuff yeah so they add it so you've got both oh, yeah. so it works in, in both places and then they also do the things like cilantro and oh, yeah. aubergine and yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> all the funny words for things yeah <laughs> so you didn't have to rebrand natural harry which is great and you now and you yeah internationally as well yes so just the second and third book the first book stays as a self-published book so that's still just very local because it's only me that's actually physically sending them or taking them to shops or anything yeah. Um, but the, yeah, the others are international. Wow. Yeah. Which is so weird. It got, um, whole got translated into German <laughs> and they changed yeah. the cover, like a German publisher bought the rights essentially. So they published it identical, but all in German, but then changed the cover and called it Australia cooking <laughs> and eating. Oh, wow. So it's like, <laughs> I don't know. It's like, well, yeah, it's a, it's a little part of Australia, but yeah. it's in huge letters at the top. But it's like, <laughs> it's like this is Australia. Yeah. Um, so great working off yeah. the Australia brand. So first book, Natural Harry, self-published. Second book, Whole, which oh. was self-published but became published by the publisher. Mm -hmm. uh, third book, yep. Home, as well. That was was that self-published initially, or that that was published by Hardy Grant from the beginning. Yeah, that was published by Hardy Grant from the beginning. So we kind of, um, from the start, from the concept, I went to them and said, I, this is my idea and I've got all the 
recipes ready. I've been working on them. Um, so it was just the production of the book to happen with them. Um, and I was really lucky in that they were really happy for Nicole and I to do the same thing again and do all the images ourselves and have creative control. And they were happy for me to do the layout again and things like that. Because usually, like they've got they've got typesetters, they've got editors, they've got a huge amount of um, skill under their wing. Um, and they were happy for us to keep it consistent with the other two books and keep the same feel. And they don't know, like usually. I've learned a lot of this from talking to Lola as well, Lola Berry, who you guys have had on. Yeah. Um, I didn't know, but the usual thing for publishing books is to go to, um, you know, you go to your publisher with your idea and your content, but they kind of sort out everything else from there, like the photography um, and the, like there's even a chef usually who's going to produce your recipes and then they take the photo. You might not have any contact with it after creating the content content yeah. um so we were lucky they were happy for us to shoot it all in our tiny house and stuff like that again yeah yeah it awesome. made this nice and local for us because it's like all yeah. the same area just like yeah that is a very cool book we've got our copy and we've had our own experience with plant-based eating as well maybe a quick segue into plant-based eating and um obviously you're a plant-based eater yes and we did it. We did it for 14 months, didn't we, Jess? We mm -hmm. we started what 2019 August. August. We were just getting into healthy lifestyle, healthy living, and uh, really going down that path of reducing our consumption of meat and all the rest. And we did it for 14 months, but we kind of flagged it September last year for various reasons, personal reasons, and but we still enjoyed it. We enjoyed the journey, and I learned so much about food and nutrition and everything else. I've learned more about food by having to, you know, prepare plant-based recipes and all the rest. So it was very beneficial, but I know it's re really, really difficult for people to sort of continue on down that path and maintain it in, in spite of, you know, criticism from friends and family and all the rest and all the hearsay and rumours and, you know, damage to whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so much yeah. hearsay is probably the best word out there, but what drives you to keep on going with a plant-based lifestyle uh i just feel really good like yep. i um, naturally gravitated towards reducing my meat consumption like pretty much from leaving home i grew up on a sheep and cattle farm and we ate a lot of um our own like my grandparents um yeah produce i guess you could say and i definitely um just felt better eating less meat but i also think that um, and I think a lot of people come to it this way. Um, you can kind of, um, it's a way, it's an entry way into for some people into learning to cook if you're eating more of a processed diet at the time or doesn't matter if it's meat or not or dairy or not. It kind of, um, I'm more, I, I think I probably wish I could put whole foods in the bigger letters on the books and plant-based a bit smaller just because I think the operative word is whole food for yep. me because yep. I think there's no point in being well no judgment but um there are a lot of vegan products out and about these days that are quite synthetic because yeah. it's just for the for the yeah benefit yep. of being not dare like it's, it's more yeah. about what it's lacking then yeah um so I think and also I, I don't think I don't like the labels and I think it's fantastic you guys had a crack at plant-based and then now you probably just eat more plant-based than you did before you started but it's yeah. not a bad thing that you're not plant-based now it's like just yeah. a um you know like someone said to me as a joke the other day I'm vegetarian I'm a vegan that eats a bit of I'm a vegan that eats that just loves meat or something, and I was like, okay. <laughs> but they, I think I think hope, I'm hoping in the future we take the labels away, and it's like you yeah. can be, yeah, um, whatever you are. It's sort yeah. of I think that there is a lot of conversation these days about, um, especially with the latest David Attenborough documentary, um, you know, about reducing our meat consumption for the environment. And I think like that is a positive. We definitely eat too much meat, but it's not to say that my my personal belief is it's not to say that no one should ever eat meat again. It's just that there's a there's seven billion of us 
eating a lot of it. So yeah. like, I mean, I'm happy someone else take my portion because I don't really love eating it, but it's, it's does that make sense? Yep. Yeah. But I've gone way off what you asked. <laughs> no, no, good. Just a gradual sort of reduction in the amount of meat that yeah. you know, given the Australian on the resources that it places, especially water and land as well. Yeah. So yeah. I think even if. And that's mostly um, factory farming that's placing yeah. that, not, you know, a small organic grass fed, like completely permaculture, like well run farm. That's like the, the majority of what's happening. But I also, um, yeah, I, I, I hope that that sort of doesn't answer the original question because <laughs> I went uh, um, yeah. yeah it clarifies a lot and well yeah, as you said we eat a lot more vegetables now and we're a lot more conscious of what we eat so if anything we learned that in 14 months we gave it a, gave it a red hot go but just yeah you know, that yeah. is a red hot go over a yeah. year yeah yeah oh, that's really good like, I think some people will say oh I gave it a shot for seven days and oh, I couldn't do it couldn't it's like well Maybe yeah. give it three months <laughs> Yeah, I think it's the you can not give it enough go, but also I, I hope in the future we see people like not try and um I mean that's like I'd I'd probably if I was smoking want to quit smoking cold turkey because that's pretty pretty nasty thing for your health that we all know. But yeah. if there's something like you want to go plant based, you don't necessarily have to just go cold turkey and like give it a go for seven days like you I think there's that all or nothing approach that yeah. we have yeah. it's like a, yeah. um you know there's no reason if your mum really likes eating plant-based and then on Christmas day she eats ham yeah. that's not my mum I'm just <laughs> yeah, yeah. giving you an example you know it doesn't have to be so black and white yeah um yeah that's and I, I more like the softly softly approach I rather just I just try to on my any social media channels and the books and everything focus on the positive um, and not actually label things because I think um, that can turn people off too. So yeah. if you're like a vegan and labeled yourself as a vegan and trying to ram it down people's throats, that's like the least effective way of yeah. getting anyone to eat more yeah. whole food, plant-based foods. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah, you're like, ah! <laughs> stay away vegan <laughs> it conjures up all sorts of um connotations and images doesn't it so i used to hate being you know called a vegan or oh you're a vegan or i used to say yeah you know, we're plant-based like you, eaters you don't say yeah you don't say oh you're a carnivore you don't go around yeah. going or oh you're a um you're a well i guess we do a little bit you're a cut support i'd like any any label you're yeah. a hollywood supporter you're a like yeah. It, yeah it used to be you so frustrating be a vegan it just immediately places you in a in a bucket that you don't want to be in so yep. yeah i guess yeah, <laughs> to... all the other people in the bucket <laughs> yeah <laughs> well, oh yeah i guess yeah you can never be so vilified for eating more fruit and vegetable at the end of the day that's all you're doing isn't it you're eating more fruit and vegetables and you know it's yeah and you can go on like i often if someone says are you a vegan I'll be like, well, not really, because it's not yeah. like a religion for me. It's just I just eat whole food plant-based. But then you're like, yeah. can you be bothered going, no, I eat plant-based, and then going into like I prefer eating more fruits and vegetables. So you just go, yeah. yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly yeah. right. Like I think we covered the point there. Like the reason you did it was to because we felt good. It was the same for us. It was because we felt good. It wasn't because we wanted to save the animals. It was because we felt good and we did it because it felt good and we kept on doing it because we felt good. So I guess if there's people tuning in and going down that path of a plant-based diet and more fruit and veg, then stick with it if it feels good for you. Yeah. I think you do you and yeah. And don't take anyone else's decisions of what they want to do as an attack on what you do. Yeah. Like yeah. it just, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, before, I was just wondering if you have any top tips for reducing waste because your new book is called Home and you, you mentioned it through that book. Can you give us maybe one or two? Yeah, sure. Um, the first biggest one would be shop at a bulk whole food store because you can just 
you know, nip it in the butt, bud, yeah. butt. I don't know which thing you meant to say. <laughs> um, and just, gonna, you know, start. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, don't nip it in the butt. <laughs> so the, you just like start by eliminating it from the beginning. You never actually take it home to start with. Um, you can reuse. Everyone has lots of jars because we buy things in jars all the time and containers. Yeah. Um, wash them, clean them well, label them, take them to your bulk whole food store, save money, time, um, and, you know, plastic. Yeah. That would be my biggest one. And the next one would be save things, have a good look around your house. You probably have um, reused spray lids and things like that and maybe a kombucha bottle, put that together and you have yourself a, um, can, a vessel to make your own surface spray or whatever, something like that. That would probably be my top tips. Yeah. Yeah. I actually thought about it the other day. I've got a pair of thongs. I've had a blowout on on one on the left one, and I was like, <laughs> and I thought this is perfectly a good rubber, and I've got them sitting in the garage for a future date. I might be able to use them for something. <laughs> or you could do what my mum does. She'll kill me for saying this. She's like a, a she has a thong tree, like all the trees she's found. All the sorry, not the trees. All the thongs she's found at the beach on walking her dog are just all hanging on this one bush outside the house. <laughs> That's cool. Maybe I can but start. Doing that. I have one, yeah. And I once or twice I've been like, oh, I need another, like a, you know, lost a song or something. Yeah. Just got take. <laughs> yeah. I was actually thinking about yeah. some artwork, so just nailing them to the fence and just gradually start mm. a, an exhibition over time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ben's thong exhibition. <laughs> Jess is shaking her head. And I don't think she likes the sound She's of that. Like, idea. No, no, that doesn't work with my aesthetic. <laughs> but yeah, it's more about products for you, isn't it? Rather than sort of materials. Oh, I guess glass jars is materials, isn't it? So Yeah, it's it's been a big one since publishing the book. Everyone's asking where do you get them? Where do you get them? Mm. Um it like some people want to have matching everything and labeled the same and whatever. If you've got a cleaning cupboard, it does not matter what it looks like in there as long as you've labelled things and you're not going to, you know, pour yourself a glass of um, yeah. floor cleaner or whatever. <laughs> but, yeah, I think I think um, it's, it's a big part of it is the vessels and things that, because obviously you want to just keep reusing them over and over again. But, it's, yeah, the products, the, the recipes in the book are to make those things, like glass cleaner and... Um, floor cleaner and then all the body products too yeah that's very cool so completely different to your other books which is based on food so did that come about again just off the cuff comments here and there like how do you do certain things and yes lots of questions um realizing that I had slowly collated a whole house full of cleaning products by you know every time I finished something I'd like work out how to make it um and you know, I started sharing a little bit of that and then inevitably got asked for the recipes um, and thought this would be a really good thing. There are a lot of books out there that um, you guys probably noticed them on the surf coast in like the, those beautiful shops and things there. Lots of books that um, give a little bit of, a, you know, a few recipes here and there and lots of writing, but I wanted to just make a recipe book for those things. Yeah. So you can just go and refer to it. There's a picture for each product. Um, yeah. and yeah, to try and make it just reference but not bang on too much and not be preachy, just like here it is. Yeah. 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 It's going back to the plant-based lifestyle. It's like if you want enemies, then start preaching about plant-based living. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And it's sort of a follow-on from... Lead by example. Yeah, because I was like... Like you've produced. Definitely. Yeah. And I talk about in the second book hole a bit about like shopping in bulk and things, but... Uh, it just occurred to me it doesn't stop just from your food. You know, there's a lot of other things that go into a house. Yeah. And I'm still finding things. You see, you sort of start noticing once you start looking around um, just how many things you could, like, yeah, replace or, or refill or, yeah. 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 Especially the Haviana thongs. So mm. watch this space. <laughs> I reckon you could YouTube. There'd be someone will have a hack. Like you'd yeah. be able to use it for something really weird, like as a bottle opener or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've seen them used as a bottle opener. A slingshot. You can use it as a slingshot. Slingshot. Now we're now we're talking. 
Yeah. <laughs> might, that might come in handy for some, I won't say that. I was going to talk about the neighbour's dog, but we'll leave that oh. for another podcast. <laughs> Can get a bit yappy, so. But, uh, you know Matt, what works for that? Giving some food, give them a bone or something. Yeah, little pallets. Oh, yappy. Little pallets of food. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> did you have any more questions there, Jess? I did. I've got a couple from... We'll just... Um, oh, yes. Three... No. One more question from Nellie. So she asked, how do you... No. How do you get published? So I know you went, went through it before, but did you just approach um, your publisher or... Yeah. I did, yes. And I don't think that's the usual way. I think um, either a publisher will approach you or, like, obviously that's very specific. That was never going to happen. Well, that did happen to me. But, um, the, yeah. like, either a publisher will approach you because you have a, you know, like a 200,000 Instagram subscriber list thing or yeah. you have um, you actually go the, the very traditional way is to go to the publisher and submit your book so that's the more normal way to do it that and some publishers have like specific times in the year that you can do that they're having intakes and things and you don't necessarily have to have like the images and things done but it, it'll be the content because obviously they want to make sure this is like an interesting book and something we would want to do um that's the more normal way or you could do what I did and approach them with a finished book like I, I approached them and I mean I had the physical finished book there to send them to be like do you want to publish this yeah. so that was a that was a whole different scenario but the yeah. the general way if you don't want to do the layout and the photography and things yourself um would be to submit it it's like you're submitting a thesis or something yeah yeah, yeah. yeah I think that's um, yeah. good advice for aspiring publishers out there I know there's plenty of them on the surf coast so there's so much good content and all the rest backed up by good stories as well and good products and services. So I think people yeah, really appreciate that. Yeah, you can self-publish. Yeah. Yeah. One thing we just skipped over before, I think, so basically you're in the caravan, uh, you're flat out seven days a week. So you were pu writing and publishing this book while you were working in the caravan? Yes. So I we, we did it seasonally though. So I was kind of winding down. Oh, it was okay. sort of towards Easter when I started doing the actual collation of um, of the recipes and then started the actual production of the book. So we were in a quieter time I, and I was, during the winter months, I used to supply the raw desserts to cafes and things yep. wholesale. So I was doing that at the time. All yeah, right. so it was a bit re reduced workload. Yep. Yeah, so just seasonal there. And... Well, that explains that. I was thinking, how do you fit all this in? Yeah. <laughs> uh, just uh, before that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one of the big things our listeners deal with is that, you know, dealing with the, the void between part-time and, you know, being a hobbyist and then going full-time as a creative and taking that leap and building up the courage. So we didn't really cover that. Just briefly there, how did you go about going from, so you must have been working in fashion at the time. How did you go, okay, I'm just going to, start work on this caravan and we're going to go from there. I was nannying when we started the caravan. So I was doing that, I think it was four or five days a week at the time, four mm -hmm. days a week. So I yeah. only really had a day a week, but I spent more than that because you always do on your own passion projects. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I think, I think you've got to have a transition. Like you've got to have a job while you're doing your other creative pursuit that you're hopefully going to take over with yep. but there is does come a point I think where you just have to like really jump and yep. Yep. Um, cut off whatever it was you were doing and then it's it's always a risk but you know usually you weigh up and you're like it'll destroy my soul if I don't do it there's usually yeah. some yeah. kind of thing that yeah <laughs> so definitely an income there I think good advice there Good lead into the next question. What's your, your best piece of advice for as, aspiring creatives who want to go full time? And by creatives, I mean freelancers, you know, entrepreneurs, uh, your traditional artists and solopreneurs as well. Yeah. Um, what would be my advice? I think it would be to like keep whatever your other job is that you've got going to pay the bills so you can do what you 
like don't resent it because it's it's actually allowing you to do what you love and yep. you're lucky to have something that you love and you're you're absolutely so lucky if you have something that's driving you and you're excited to go to so just yeah. appreciate every minute and go with it because yeah sorry that's not super constructive no, that's good <laughs> i think it's practical advice common yeah. sense yeah actually we get that a lot from a, a lot of our uh, guests on the podcast so it's not um a few people have said you know just jump in and go for it but yeah there's that practical side of paying the bills as well isn't there so and I was yeah thinking, definitely like that's well, easy, easier said than done, jump in and go for it because, like, yeah. that might mean go and live in your parents' basement too and also yeah. eat two-minute noodles. Like, I think you've got to, if you want to maintain what you're doing um, or your lifestyle or yeah. a good diet, <laughs> yeah. then um, sometimes you do have to go and do something like nunning, but that's a that's a lovely job too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah that would have been a cool way to transition. Uh, we're getting up towards, I think we've been an hour, Harry, so we'll start trying to wrap up a bit. I know I'm very conscious of your time, so suck up there in Queensland and not coming back anytime soon by the sounds of it. But who who yep. in this world who in this world inspires you? I guess let's go from the perspective of life and then business or creativity. In life, I think my my grandfather inspired me because he was a really hard worker and a very kind person and taught me that you can be kind and a good boss and a good um, good person in general. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would be in life. And then in business, I would have to say my friend Nicole Ramsey, who took the photo, she's a she's a very um, she somehow integrates spirit like she's spiritual but very professional. Does that make sense? She's yeah. like leads with her her gut, but she's very practical and um, yeah, that yeah. would be and takes amazing photos yeah. as well. Yes, actually, she's been recommended <laughs> and, by one of our Instagram followers to come on the podcast, so we are catching up to that, and hopefully, we'll get her on the podcast for a chat sometime soon. That would be awesome. So, Nicole, if awesome you're listening, <laughs> get ready. yeah, Nick. Nick, I'll send this to her. <laughs> Nicole with a K too, isn't it? Yes, N N I K. Mm. Yeah, she gives off that type of vibe with her photography as well. So that's that's cool to hear. And any other questions you got there, Jess? I think that's all from me. I think the only one we missed was some apps or you know software that keeps you on track day to day. You sound like you're really busy. Not busy, I am not not too bad right on. now, but yeah, a lot going on. I am really terrible with using like those really like the the up to date kind of apps, and I do a little bit of everything. I've got a list on my phone. I have a I used to use Wonderlist until that closed, and then I was like couldn't learn a new thing. And then <laughs> I, just my Google Calendar, I'm pretty basic. I make sure there's alerts and things because I do find if I try and store too much in my noggin, I'll um yeah, just it's better if it's out there in a list of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we're very similar. We rely on Google Calendar and the alerts and things. So yeah, it's uh, again good practical yeah. advice just to keep it simple. You can end up managing your apps, can't you? You can end up manage, managing your the to-do list that manages. Definitely. The list, so. <laughs> yeah, and the passwords for things and the updates oh, and oh, stuff. Yeah. I just like to keep it simple sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, good practical advice. So any other questions there, Jess? It's been oh, such, <laughs> such a good episode. I hope we covered people's questions with regard to self-publishing and book publishing yeah. and um, we could go, you know, we could – do another full episode, I think, on wellness and living a healthy life. Yeah. So, but we really appreciate yeah, your time that. today and squeezing in all that information into an, an hour on a podcast. So it was amazing. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Harry. Been so nice, guys. I feel like I've been home for a little bit. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's good. Well, it's overcast today, so you're not missing much. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, where, where can we go to follow you, Harry? Follow you and your story. So Instagram, I'm probably best at updating 
people with and uh, which is natural underscore harry h-a-r-r-y and then my website which is naturalharry.com.au that'd be the two places i'm pretty hopeless with facebook <laughs> pretty much don't go on it so don't, don't write me a message <laughs> it's so hard to get traction on facebook anyway so on the business pages yeah no instagram seems to be where it's where it's at for engagement and following people and the rest yeah, I really I genuinely thought it would disappear like everything else after a few years, but it looks like it is here to stay. Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, they've got a lot of influence. So mm-hmm. they banned, banned Donald Trump and all the rest. So Yes. <laughs> Basically controlling what, happens, <laughs> controlling what happens in the media and all the rest. So a very powerful platform, but we rely on it a lot to connect and engage with people. So it's great. And where, yeah, where can we go, yeah. Jess? Um, Jess? Jess? Jess. Uh, we're at, on Facebook and Instagram as well. It's Surf Coast Creatives, and that's all one word. Um, or you can head to the surfcoastcreatives.com website where um, this pu- um, episode will be published and the rest we've done as well. So. And we've got a new page. Do you want to talk about that for our fans? You you can cover what's, that. What's the name of the new page? Oh, Patreon. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> you don't want me to talk about it because you've forgotten what it's called. Yeah. <laughs> but we set up a new page with Patreon. I think it's we'll send out a link in the show notes and things. But if you're a big fan of the podcast, it means you can make a small donation or uh, basically put in a monthly subscription and we'll give you bonus content and all sorts of other stuff. So we might do an exclusive Q&A, for example, with Harry and you'll get access to that. So we'll put a link and yeah, it's just a small donation. Cool. I think it's a small donation or a month to month membership and a very, very low price. So yeah, that'd be awesome. If you're, if you're yeah. a big fan of the show, that is. Have you used Patreon? That sounds Patreon? really good. No, excuse me. No, but I have heard of it and I think it's a wonderful way because like I have, yeah, no, a few people now who have podcasts that put an enormous amount of time and energy and resources into and it's a nice way to give back it's like having like my husband subscribes to pbs you know the radio station like it's you yeah you're kind of contributing to something you love and that is the the kind of thing that feeds what you love and you get to see more of it yeah yeah Yeah, we don't generate any revenue from the podcast so we'd love to keep it going with a few small donations we'll probably just do it anyway because we have so much fun so (laughs) Uh, check it out in the show notes but otherwise i think we're going to wrap it up harry thanks again for your time today really appreciate it uh stay on the line there we'll just stop the recording but stay on the line and all the best for for the rest of 2021 anything that we should watch out for in 2021 coming from natural harry uh well currently working on a a small human um so that that'll be ready sometime (laughs) this year um, and I, yeah, have a few little things in the pipeline, but um, no, nothing um, that I can kind of verbalise yet because I have a really bad habit of saying I'm going to do something and then I have to do it and it'll be something big like a book. <laughs> I say it before I've started too and then it's like, ah! Um, so, yeah, yeah, a few little things. Um, we're currently stuck in Queensland, so um, I'll be working on... Um, some things up here I'd say but lucky we have the interwebs yeah. yeah it's very yeah. cool and our first, <laughs> I think our first interview via Zoom has gone okay so yeah we thank you again for your time today Harry and we'll let you get back to it, not a, pla- not a bad place to be stuck in Queensland so yeah. thanks guys <laughs>